Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. There is so much we need to talk about this week regarding the world of The Real Housewives. We have Heather Dubrow's return to The Real Housewives of Orange County. Bamboozled Jane and Tommy Two-Tones had a whole documentary air about their legal situation on Hulu. Got to chat about that. Plus, new episodes of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and New York. Shall we dive in? That's right, on The Real Housewives of Orange County. Heather Shamps Dubrow announced that she will be returning alongside her husband, Terry, Onion Rings Dubrow. At least I'm assuming Terry's returning. They didn't announce that in the press release, but Heather Dubrow is coming back. I, for one, am very excited. She previously was on the show a few seasons back, left. Now, not only is she returning, but they got rid of a bunch of people on the show. They got rid of Bronwyn. They got rid of Kelly Dodd. They got rid of that other one. On uh, The other one, what's Elizabeth? They got rid of her. Three housewives have been let go from the franchise, which we knew was coming. Andy Cohen has announced that there was going to be a reboot. So I expected some people to let let go. Shockingly, Gina and Emily survived the cut. I mean, I am very happy about Gina. I love my Gina casita. And I cannot wait for Heather Dubrow to step foot into Gina's casita. I think it's going to be great. Plus, last season on the show, I really did fall in love with Gina. I did. I was like, I need more of her. So I'm very excited for Gina's return. I'm not super surprised about the others. I don't think Elizabeth really brought anything to the show last season. Granted, it was a COVID season, so you know we didn't get to learn much. But I think the real nail in the coffin for Elizabeth was that last episode. Remember when she was calling someone famous on the phone, and then apparently he gave her the wrong number? Do you remember that? <laughs> I thought that was the real nail in the coffin. We can't have a housewife who gets a, a number from a famous person that's actually a fake number. So uh, Bronwyn surprisingly was let go. And I say that because she was the one who was calling the paparazzi. That was what I think the nail in the coffin was for Bronwyn, because after the season aired, she was calling the paparazzi on herself in Orange County. And we all know that the paparazzi is not just running around Orange County looking to film Bronwyn from The Real Housewives. Like, we knew that wasn't the case. And I actually think if she didn't do all of those games... She was always doing these big interviews and stuff, and it was great that she was sharing her story. But I thought, Bravo's not going to like that she's doing that on her terms. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, the paparazzi stuff was just a little bit too much with Bronwyn. And then the drug thing, too. I mean, she was revealed on the reunion last season that she had offered drugs to Shannon's uh, daughter, and she apologized for it. But, you know, it was kind of a step too far. And so I wasn't super surprised that Bronwyn was let go, although... Uh, She did seem to be a big focal point of the show. And I think before last season aired, a lot of fans thought Bronwyn was going to be the future of The Real Housewives of Orange County. And then it fizzled out. And Kelly Dodd, you know, Kelly Dodd had been with us for a while, but uh, she's no longer to be. And I wonder wonder where the season's going to go next season. I wonder how it's going to be. I still think they're going to bring in Tamara, because here's the deal. Although Shannon's still around, and Shannon was on the show with Heather Dubrow, 
I still think they need a bridge because the audience is too aware of the fact that Heather and Shannon hated each other. And also it was very clear that they never kept in touch after Heather left the show. And so it's going to be a weird thing unless they really break the fourth wall and just say like Heather's back on the show, even though she has no connection to any of these women other than Shannon, who she hated. Why would she get uh, back together with uh, Shannon? So they're either going to need to bring in some new people to bridge that gap. But I actually feel that they will bring in Tamara as maybe like a friend of. I don't know if Tamara will be a full-time housewife. But I do think that's just what I hear in my gut. I don't know that to be the case. And I'm just telling you from my expert opinion from watching these shows, they're going to need someone for Heather to bridge that gap. And we do know that Tamara and Heather remain friends. Plus, Tamara has that built-in storyline with the Shannon stuff because after she left, they hated each other. So I, I, that's what I think. I don't know that to be true, but that's what I think. Uh, but I cannot wait to see Heather's house. I know she did a whole YouTube tour, which I did watch, but I want to see it like in the glossy Bravo way. And I want to see the other women just coming into Heather's house. And you know the Shannon-Heather stuff is going to be good. Because after Tamara and Vicky left the show, I think Shannon thought it was her show. I think she thought she was the top dog. And then Bronwyn thought she was the top dog. But really, the top dog is going to be Heather Dubrow. And so that's going to be an interesting dynamic. And some of the best stuff on The Real Houses of Orange County, I think, came courtesy of Heather. Because especially now, in this year of 2021, I think we want to see that really petty drama of like, you know, the Heather Dubrow with the bow on the cake, somebody ate it. Or, you know, just that petty sort of Heather Dubrow problems. That's what I, I at least feel like I want to watch. Because there is so much heaviness in the world. I want to have these shows as a little bit of an escape. And so I think Heather Dubrow is really going to bring that. But her and Shannon, you guys, they're not going to get along at all. Not even in the slightest bit. They hate each other. And the fact that Heather's coming back. Did you guys see there was a video that Kelly Dodd had posted on her Instagram account of Shannon coming to the house. She brought Kelly Dodd like a, a bottle of alcohol or something. And I was trying to read the subtext of that. I was trying to read between the lines, see how Shannon was feeling about it all. And I think Shannon was shook, you guys. I don't think she was super excited about the fact that these people were let go and she's going to still be around with Heather Dubrow. Shannon Shannon knows what's coming, you guys. And it's going to be good to watch. I know a lot of people fell off the Real Houses of Orange County. Last season was basically unwatchable. I mean, I watched it. <laughs> when I say unwatchable on this show, I mean, I still watched every single episode. But... It was worse than ever. To me, last season was just, I know they had to deal with COVID and stuff like that, but I actually personally don't believe that it was really due to COVID that the season was so bad. I thought it was the chemistry of that cast. Big hot mess. Uh, and, and although I'm happy about Gina returning, Gina and Emily, like, I, I don't know that we've gotten like a ton of memorable stuff from them. And if you know this, you know, a friend pointed this out to me. Gina has never thrown a party on that show. All the other women have thrown lavish parties on all of the housewives. I can't think of one event that Gina has had. Now, I know she's gone through a lot in her personal life, but I bet production doesn't love the fact that she has never thrown a big event. Like, not one. Maybe I'm missing something, but I don't think Gina has thrown one all-cast event, which is shocking that this person who's never thrown an all-cast event is uh, sticking around. But, you know, I'm, again, happy about Gina. It just, I wonder, the conversations with production, you know, they must be sitting around thinking, like, when the fuck is Gina going to throw a party? Like, when's Gina going to invite everyone over to that casita? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, so that's the Real Houses of Orange County. Did we cover all that? I don't know. I'm excited. 
I'm excited. I feel reinvigorated by Orange County. I'm ready to grab my orange. Oh, the other thing I do want to mention about it is, did you see that Heather Dubrow, with the announcement, did like a new photo shoot? So I don't know if you caught this. But in some of the announcements, I don't remember if it was People Entertainment Tonight. Forgive me. Uh, but there was photos of Heather Dubrow when it said, like, Heather's returning. She took photos with oranges. Like, it did a whole photo shoot with a bunch of oranges, like a plate of oranges, bowl of oranges. She's holding it. She's ready. And I just love the idea of that. Like, that's what I want from these women in these Housewives shows. I need the, I need the pomp and circumstance. So the fact that Heather DeBrow is returning and she's giving us the pomp and circumstance and doing a whole photo shoot just to announce her return, that made me excited. That's what we need from these shows and these women. So good job, DeBrow. Ready to see Terry, too. Terry's one of the great house husbands of all time. You know, I love when Harry's just lurking in the water behind the women, just off camera as they're fighting. Remember that Shannon and Heather fight when Heather kicked Shannon out of the house and Terry's just lurking in the background like jaws in the water. Ah, nothing better. I mean, he's a mess, but I love to watch. Love to watch. I'm excited to hear about the kids, too. Those kids. Okay, so we got to talk about the Real Housewives documentary that aired on Hulu about Bamboozle Jane and Tommy Two Tones. Now, this documentary, did you guys see, was called The Housewife and the Hustler, or Hustler and Housewife or something. It was sort of a mix between about Tommy, Tommy Two Tones, and Erica Jane kind of split it. And here's the thing. They had a bunch of talking heads in the documentary talking about the situation, the lawsuits, all that was going on. And they had people like Sonny Hostin from The View, who's very, uh, a wonderfully intelligent. You know, I love my Sonny Hostin. Very intelligent. She has a law background. So it made sense. She's with ABC. All of it made sense to me that Sonny was on there. And then they had people like Danielle Staub, and Dana Pam from The Real Houses of Beverly Hills. Now, a lot of people online were saying, this made the whole thing lose credibility. Well, guess what? I actually like that part of it. I thought that gave me the ridiculousness that I need from this kind of stuff. So I want all the, you know, I think Housewife Watchers, we often want both of these things. We want like the serious dramatic stuff, but we also want the crazy absurdities. And I think that's what that documentary nailed the best was opening with Danielle Staub sitting down in that white room and talking about working at the Shakers or whatever the that dance club that they worked in in New Jersey with Erica Jane. And the connection was loose with Danielle Staub. She said, uh, we worked together on Watch What Happens Live. That was what she said. She said, we worked together on Watch What Happens Live. We were both guests or something. And I don't know if I'd consider that working together because I don't think they get paid for Watch What Happens Live. So that's not, is that a work relationship? I mean, yes, it's an appearance, but I don't know that you really get to know the other guests if you're like someone on Watch What Happens Live. And I don't even recall them being on an episode together. Maybe they were on one of those ones where, you know, Andy like brings everyone in. Remember that one episode where Andy like, it was like Night of a Hundred Doors or whatever the fuck that was. And they just kept bringing people in. Like, was that the episode that she was referring to? I don't know, but I loved it. Loved it. And then Dana Pam wasn't even on the show when Erica Jane was on the show. They didn't even cross paths in front of the red light. But she was sitting there in the talking head, ready to discuss, and I was all in. Like Teddy Mellencamp, I was all in. You know, so I, I people were critical of that, but I loved it. Now, the content of this documentary. Spoiler alert, I'm going to be talking about it. So, Tommy Two-Tones, it was revealed, not only did we see on The Real House of Beverly Hills Dorit saying that he bamboozled orphans and widows, but now in the documentary, we're getting to hear from these people that were bamboozled by Tommy Two-Tones, and we get to hear a voicemail. 
I think they played at least one voicemail of Tommy talking to these people that he won a bunch of money for and then saying like, oh, we should invest it and hold off and all that. And wow, you guys, I got chills and goosebumps when I heard Tommy on the voicemail. Because we don't get to see or hear from Tommy on the Beverly Hills much. You know, we had that one scene last season where he was talking about being a stunt double on a movie or something from the 1920s. And what year he was talking about being in a movie, but it had to be around 1920. And so uh, we don't get to know much about him. And so even just hearing his voice on a voicemail that these people saved and then played for the documentary, chills, goosebumps, uh, and then other people who had worked with him, it made me very sad, too, for all of these victims of this who were already victims. And then not only were they already victims, but now they're victims of another person. So they were going through these horrible situations, and then they were supposed to get money, and then they're victims of not even getting that money that they were deserved because this man, Tommy Tutons, allegedly uh, took all the money. And then the Erica Jane stuff, you guys. Uh, people are going back and forth. Did she know? Did she not know? I don't know. That documentary, it didn't give us one way or another. Like, I don't think we got definitive proof. But I felt like we got definitive proof. Do you get what I mean? Ladies, am I right? You know what I'm saying. I felt like we got it without getting it. Like, I, I don't know. And then seeing, even this week on The Real House of Beverly Hills, there was that moment at the end of the episode where Erica came in uh, to the party and they were about to start talking about the divorce, which they ended on to be continued, which I have problems with that. We'll talk about in a minute. But uh, even just seeing that part of her and she's in all this glam and knowing that the money that was basically stolen allegedly from these victims is going to fund that glam that she's wearing for this scene. And then the thing that really bothered me this week, and I know maybe, I I don't know why it was just bothering me so much this week on the show, maybe because of the documentary, Uh, but when Erica Jane came in full glam, after she had already filed for divorce from Tommy Two-Tones in that scene. So I believe that she would have known at that point that he was uh, doing these things to these uh, orphans and widows. So the fact that then she still was paying for the glam... And maybe she, maybe she did that glam herself. We didn't actually see her with the glam in that last scene of this week's Real Housewives. But I don't know. She had to have known by that point that the money that was uh, coming in was the money from these people, allegedly. So that just really irked me. It irked me, you guys. I don't like, uh, it made me sad about these victims just all around. Felt bad for them. And I guess we'll find out more. We'll have to go to bravotv.com for more information on these, uh, two bamboozlers. But, I don't like seeing, I don't know, I don't think Erica can stick around on Housewives of Beverly Hills because I think this might be her last season, depending on how she handles that. But the documentary was eye-opening to me. I thought it was really well done. And again, even though there was absurdities with the Dana Pam uh, Danielle stuff, I loved it. I thought, yeah, let's get that. And also, by the way, I know that no current housewife would be able to uh, do an interview because this documentary was produced by ABC News. So, of course, either the people are under contract with NBC Universal, the other housewives, or if they're not officially under contract, they still don't want to piss off either their former employer or their hopeful future employer. So, oftentimes, when these housewives they leave the show, even if they leave on their own accord, which very few housewives have done, 
they still want to maintain a good relationship with NBC Universal. So that's why I think this it was hard for this documentary to really get other housewives. Like Kyle Richards isn't going to go do a documentary interview uh, with ABC News knowing that she's employed by Bravo and she doesn't want to piss them off. Which, by the way, why haven't we heard from any of the current housewives on this whole documentary? I just want one of them to tweet about it or even like send out a smoke signal or something that we can all decipher because I need to know if Kathy Hilton or Garcelle, if any of them have watched this documentary, and I know they probably are under strict orders not to discuss it, but I just need someone to release some Morse code or something. Just let me know that you've seen it. Do you get what I mean? I need Sutton to just hop on Twitter one night after a couple margaritas or some martinis and let us know. You know, be cryptic about it, but still tell us that you watched it because I feel like I'm going crazy thinking like none of these women have watched it. You know, they've all watched it. I just know it. So, you know, Denise Richards and Big Dick Aaron, I know that they've been watching this documentary. They've probably seen it more than once after her filming of Money Plane 2. So I need to know their reactions. Just know at least that they've watched it because I feel like I feel like I'm crazy because everyone is talking about it. I haven't heard one person in the Bravo world mention this documentary, and I need to know that they're watching it like we all are watching it. Everyone's on Twitter talking about it, and I haven't heard one thing from these women. Ooh, and not only that, did you guys see that the lawyer that Erica Jane had hired or that was representing her allegedly dropped her? So she no longer has the lawyer that she had before. And what really fascinates me is the other cast members on this show. Last season, with our dear Denise Richards, they were so concerned with whether or not Denise hooked up with Brandy Glanville. Did Denise go down on Brandy? Did Denise kiss Brandy? It was such a big deal. And they kept saying, oh, we're on a reality show, and this is what's happening on the reality show, so we got to talk about it. They were all up in Denise's business about whether or not she had sex with Brandy Glanville. And now none of them seem to care about Erica Jane, and I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe that'll come out at the reunion or later on down this uh, season. But for now, I do feel like it's a little troubling that they were so concerned about Denise's uh, affair, and yet no one seems to give a shit about Erica Jane and Tommy Two-Tones bamboozling orphans and widows. Right? I said it. Now I said it. Now we said it. Ah, So, yeah, anyway, that's The Housewife and The Hustler. Shall we talk about The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills? We gotta take a quick break here, but we'll be back with more... Oh, I love that sound, don't you? And that's the sound you're going to hear when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Uh, we use it here at Everything Iconic. Shopify is the best all-in-one commerce platform capable of handling all your business complexity, no matter how big you grow. I think it's fantastic. You're probably thinking, sure, but migrating is going to be a headache, but Shopify's app store has the migration apps you need to migrate all of your products, your orders, your customers, and more uh, from every major e-commerce platform all the way to Shopify. And I always hate when I'm shopping online and I have to re-enter all of my information. Well, Shopify store remembers your shipping address, your payment information. So if you're on the couch and your wallet's on the kitchen counter, you don't have to get up, which is nice. So sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash everything iconic, all lowercase. 
That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash everything iconic. Shopify, S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash everything iconic. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. And we all carry around different stressors, both big and small. Sometimes the small stressors are the worst for me because I cannot stop thinking about them when I'm trying to sleep or when I'm trying to go about my day. I keep those little things bottled up and it can start to affect me negatively. Now, therapy is a safe space to get those things off of my chest and figure out how to work through all that stuff. And if you've never benefited from therapy, I think it's time you explore. I think anyone can be helped by going to a professional therapist. It's so incredibly helpful to get those coping skills skills and uh, deal with those stressors. So uh, if you're thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be super convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you got to do is fill out this quick, brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, which I think is so important. Uh, so that way you find someone that you work well with. Now, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash everything iconic today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash everything iconic. Before we get into the episode fully, I do want to just play a commercial that aired uh, in regards to The Real House of Beverly Hills teasing the episode this week. So let me play this quick commercial and then we'll talk about it. Wednesday, get revved up for some serious Beverly Hills drama. Don't ever talk to me like that again. I'm done. Because the biggest scandal in Housewives history... Did you already know what was going on? ...is about to go from zero to 100. I didn't see it coming. It was a surprise. In all new Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, Wednesday night at 8, only on Bravo. That was the tease, you guys. Now, the first part of that tease is that get revved up. Get revved up for this episode of The Real House. And then they show Garcelle and Sutton in the car, Fast and Furious again. Ugh, again. A fucking again. Every time with the cars in The Real House of Beverly Hills. You guys, enough is enough. I, I know I just harp on that every single time on this show. But every fucking week I gotta watch him driving in a cart. Or, uh... Uh, something. I mean, come on. It's just, and then they're using it for the promos even. Get revved up. And then you hear the car, like, we're listening to the leader of the pack, that song, like, vroom, vroom. It's like, come on. Okay. <laughs> I love these shows, but that part, it's like, I can't do it anymore. And now they're using it for the promos even. Um, and then they're telling us the most dramatic thing that's ever happened in House Life history is about to unravel. And you guys, it didn't really start to unravel this episode. I'm sorry. We got it to be continued, which we're getting on every single episode of every single one of these shows now. It's just they're using that to be continued card willy nilly, throwing it up at the end of every single episode on this show. And, um, it's starting to ruin it for me because I just feel like it's not as powerful anymore. Uh, but we didn't really get into a lot of the drama. Now there was some really good stuff on this uh, episode of the Real Hustles of Beverly Hills. So it wasn't bad, but I just thought they were really overselling it. And then the car stuff I just had to mention because. You know how I feel about that. So this week's opening is uh, the end of the episode. So we get everyone look, everyone gathered at Sutton's house, which is also Kyle's house. And they all, I mean, the outfits were strange. Kyle and Rena both wore the same insane outfit. Like the, and uh, do you think they did that on purpose? I'm starting to feel like maybe they did on purpose. Maybe that's not true, but it feels like they're just doing it for like a, like it's a really funny bit. You know, like they, you know how on these shows they think they're doing a funny bit. They think they're Lucy and Ethel. I felt like that's what they were doing. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, because it was also an insane dress to me. Again, I'm not a fashionista, but what was that dress? What the fuck was that? 
with the big shoulder pads and stuff. They look like one of Marie Osmond's dolls. What the fuck? I mean, I couldn't understand and make heads or tails of what the fuck they were wearing. The fact that both of them did it. And then Kyle added the hat to it. Uh, Coco Chanel and Countess Luann, um, via her iPhone app, both said you need to remove an accessory before you leave the house. And I wish Kyle would have looked in the mirror and removed that hat. She's always doing the hat work. And I know she said on the show she loves a hat. But, uh, you know, adding a hat to that outfit was just very shocking to me. I mean, didn't they sort of look like they were uh, grown uh, American girl dolls, but like not the popular ones? Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe you guys liked it. I didn't like it, but... Uh, they all are getting ready and then, or they're all hanging out, getting ready to talk to Erica, who's driving in the car, looking very, uh, devilish at the camera. You know, I love that. I love that. That gave me everything I needed. You know, I was complaining about this episode a little bit, but I do have to say just that shot of Erica Jane in the car, looking up at the camera that they had placed there in that real devious kind of way. That was the editors telling us she's guilty. That was it. I think we might have talked about that on this show. That was the smoking gun right there. That was whoever's behind the editing bay. Uh, that was his or her way of telling us Erica's guilty. And we're going to show you by her just glancing up at the camera in the car. That was it. Uh, and then we hear Erica Jane say, I was going to hold that man's hand until he died. And then it goes three days earlier. Three days earlier, and it's election day. Mauricio's high as a kite, I believe. Could be wrong, but he seemed a little high, and I love when Mauricio's smoking on the ganja. I mean, I love Mauricio like that. I wasn't really interested in this election party. It happened in New York, too. You guys, I just don't. I'm not interested. I don't want to hear it. It was all such a stressful time. I don't want to relive it. I got like, ugh, it just, it's too, it was too much. I know what they want to show us their real lives and stuff, but I don't know. I wasn't really interested. Kyle does say, uh, when you look at their marriage from afar, it's not surprising in regards to Erica and Tommy. And their divorce. But then later in the episode, they were all getting together and they were all doing that fake Beverly Hills thing of like, you never know what's going on behind closed doors. I never would have saw this coming. They were all saying, I can't believe this. I'm shocked by this news. They were all saying they were shocked. Kyle's the only one who I think admitted, like, I wasn't that surprised. Uh, but even when she was with the other gals, they were all just saying, oh, I can't believe it. What You don't know what happens behind closed doors. And I'm thinking, oh, we're really all shocked that these two don't work out. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, I understand uh, love can come in all different forms, but I never once looked at those two like, oh my God, look how much they love each other. Because even in those moments where they were supposedly so close, they showed us that flashback of like, Erica always loved him so much. I was like, I didn't see or feel like a ton of love radiating off the two of them when he was telling the stories about being in that 1925 film where he was doing stunts. And Erica was looking at him. If anything, I felt like Erica was just thinking about, I don't, Mikey Minden or something in the middle of that story. Like she, her head was off in the distance. She was thinking about how she's going to pat the puss on Broadway. I don't think she was really thinking like, Oh, I love this man. I mean, and so even when they hug, you know, there was that, there's been a couple times in the show where they hug and I'm like, man, it just looks like odd. I, I don't, I just never looked at them and thought, Oh, it radiates pure love, but maybe that's just me. Um, so when they were all sitting around, like, I can't believe it. I was shocked. I'm like, what the fuck were you shocked about, ladies? I mean, you're all lying. <laughs> you're all lying. I feel like I'm being tough on the gals this week. Am I? 
I'm a little tough on the gals this week. I thought this week was a tough, tough week on Bravo. Like, I'm glad they gave us a bunch of good stuff, juicy stuff with that documentary and the Heather Dubrow news, because especially in New York was kind of snoozy. And then Beverly Hills, you know, I, I was kind of frustrated with them. But it looks like coming up on Beverly Hills, we got a lot uh, coming up. So I do want to give them that. But this week, I maybe I was upset that they did the um, opening scene and then flash backwards, because I just want to, I want to get to the meat of it. You know what I mean? Okay, so at that election party, Dorit dresses patriotically um, in green. So they all say she looks like a leprechaun. And Dorit, like, what was she doing? I mean, I know they told her that this was a patriotic party. So everyone else made it a point to wear something like red, white, and blue or sort of patriotic. And then Dorit, a woman of the world, she decided to dress uh, dress like uh, the Green Power Ranger or whatever. I don't know what that outfit was. I mean, what was that? You know how on the Power Rangers, you guys remember, anyone who watched that, I used to be obsessed with the Power Rangers when I was a kid. But do you remember how, like, whatever color the ranger was, so like Kimberly, the pink ranger, when she was out of the pink ranger costume, and she was just going to high school, she would always wear, like, all pink. Like, they never wore outfits that weren't the color of their ranger suit. So I always thought everyone in Angel Grove in that city, it'd be pretty fucking easy to figure out who the Power Rangers were. Because you would just look at uh, your friend Tommy and notice that he's only wearing fucking green for months on end until he becomes the White Ranger, and then he's only fucking wearing white. So, I mean, I think that all those people were stupid. I mean, they were all dummies in Angel Grove. Angel Grove High, it's like, God, were they teaching him anything in that school? Because it was so fucking easy to figure out. And then you got other students like Bulk and Skull running around trying to figure out who the fucking Power Rangers are. Open your eyes. Look alive. It's pretty clear. Uh, Kimberly's only wearing pink. And of course, she's the Pink Ranger. I mean, figure it out. Anyway, so what was I just saying? Oh, Dorit. So Dorit's wearing this all green. And it reminded me of like, maybe Dorit's the Green Ranger. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, because it was, it was that kind of all green from head to toe. It just felt very much like Power Ranger out of costume going to high school. Does that make sense to you guys? Cause it, it just, you know, it wasn't just a little green. It was like kind of all head to toe green. And yes, it matched. And I know it was designer, uh, but I was still getting Green Ranger. And so now I'm convinced that Dorit's the Green Ranger. And honestly, that's the fantasy that I'm living for the rest of this season. Uh, that Dorit is now our uh, reigning Green Ranger. And we'll have to figure out who the other women are uh, as we go. But uh, obviously, a Green Ranger in Angel Grove High School, the high school they all went to, if he was going to an election party that was supposed to be patriotic, uh, they would still wear all green. So that's why Dorit's the Green Ranger. That's my theory. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> Stupid. These shows are so stupid. I love them. Oh, so then uh, Crystal and Rob, we get to know Crystal a lot this uh, this episode. And I do think Crystal has this bluntness that is really refreshing, particularly on this franchise, because I do think oftentimes these women can talk in circles about things. But uh, I think that Crystal has a way of just being upfront about who she is in a way. I don't know. I'm, I'm finding it very refreshing even more so that it's happening on Beverly Hills because I feel like they're the cast that most often sort of talks around things or tries to hide things. Um, so I'm really enjoying that. Uh, oh, we didn't talk about this Dorit though Kyle situation. So apparently on the way back from Lake Tahoe on the plane, Kyle had interrupted Dorit and they got in this big fight about it. And Dorit made Kyle cry on the plane 
and they didn't even show it to us last week because I think even the producers were like, this is stupid. But then they had to flash back to it because it was like a fight that was going on now. And Kyle says to Dorit that like she sometimes is slow in getting her point across. Now, here's what I, I really did side with Kyle on this one because Kyle comes from the world of acting. And so if you don't get out your lines, you're fired. You got to hit your mark. You got to get out your lines. You can't just take forever to get a point across. And I do think that Dorit, when she's in front of camera, you know, she's kind of talking around the bush. She's doing her accent work. You know, she's not getting the point out. And so I think Kyle gets frustrated because she comes from the professional world of Hollywood. You know, she's in showbiz. And so Kyle's sitting there in a scene with Dorit. And Kyle's used to being in a scene with Jamie Lee fucking Curtis uh, from Halloween. So Jamie knows how to do her lines. And so when Kyle's sitting in a scene with the Green Ranger, she's like, spit it out. Spit it out. And so Kyle doesn't have time for these women who are just improvising their lines in a big accent. Um, So I sided with Kyle with that one. I thought, you know what? Dorit does sometimes when I see her in a scene. I'm like, spit it out, girl. Like, what are you saying? I can't hear it. Get it out. You know I love my Dorit, but I get it, Kyle. She's in showbiz. That's showbiz. <laughs> That's showbiz, baby. Uh, okay, so what else is going on? Oh, um, there is this conversation where uh, Crystal says she lost five pounds on the Lake Tahoe trip. And then Kathy was like, thank you, Sutton, you know, like making a big deal out of it. And then Crystal's like, no, I'm a recovering bulimic. And then she opens up about her eating disorder. And I was so proud of her for opening up. I was a little frustrated with Rena because Rena was like making it about Amelia, which was very wonderful that Amelia also opened up about it. No shade to her. However, I was like, this is Crystal's moment. Like, let's just let Crystal have this moment. Uh, but I thought that's so powerful for her to open up about food stuff and you know, I, uh, it's a hard thing to talk about. I've on this show, I feel like I've tried to tiptoe and uh, talk a little bit about my own food body issues. And it's a very hard conversation to have. I think, you know, any of these conversations got to be ready to have them, but to do them in such a large platform in front of the camera, I think is a good, amazing thing. And so I applaud uh, Crystal for talking about it. Uh, then let's see. Dorit and Kyle end up talking about their fight. Dorit eventually just walks away, and uh, they end. The election night thing is sort of a bust, too, because we don't even find out that night who won the presidency. So it's like, whatever. Then uh, we have a Sutton Garcelle do a Bentley day. That's when they do their car shopping, which we don't really care about. Then, uh, uh, let's see. Oh, we learn more about Crystal in her high school years. She talks about... Uh, she talks about her time in high school. She said, actually, her eating disorder, she said, started at 11. Uh, that that really resonated with me, too. I, I I just, I was happy for Crystal. So then Sutton opens up her shop for Kath and Kyle. And look, I was a little bit upset about the lack of Kathy this week. I thought, where is she? We did get a couple funny moments of her at the store trying to tell Sutton to get rid of the powder room. And then she said, is that a desk? Do you need that desk? And so Kath was giving advice to Sutton at her store. But I do feel a little bit robbed that we're not getting Kathy at home. By the way, do you think Rick even knows that she's on this show? You know, her husband, Rick. I don't even think he's aware that she's on Housewives. Just feel like she never told him. And we're not going to see him at all. I would like to see him, but I don't even think he knows she's on this show. Uh, but I would like to see, I'd like to see him pop up once or twice. Then Rinna does, um, we see a scene of Rinna at home 
and Harry's got a garden. I could watch Harry gardening forever. You know, a lot of times when they show Rinna at home, I get a little bit of anxiety. They, the house there gives me a little bit of anxiety. I don't know if it's just the Spanish tiles uh, with all of that decoration around it, because it, it feels like a lot on the naked eye. Do you get what I mean? Love Spanish tile, but in in terms of that house, sometimes I just get a little bit like, whoa, like I can't get my bearings, get a little vertigo or something when I see that house. Um, and then, of course, I'm reminded of the rat problem, too, and I'm deathly afraid of rats. I hate a rat. And so anytime we're in the cameras in that house, I get a little bit where I, I fall over. I get a little bit like, where am I? You know, like waking up from a bad dream. Like, are we here? And then I got to run away or something. Anyway, so, but Harry in the garden, I loved it. And then Rena's talking, they were talking about poop in the compost, which, you know, I don't know. We really needed that conversation. Do you know what I mean? Like I, poop is for Roni. And now here is, uh, here is Rena trying to appropriate Roni's uh, poop. Do you get what I mean? Um, but, you know, it's something that happened. And then they do a fire drill, which was interesting to me. Harry got the fire hose. And then Rena's doing a lot of blowjob work in the confessional. She said, oh, I'm really good at blowjobs. I handled his hose quite well, she says. Uh, and then they talk about divorces. Harry had two divorces, and they promised not to divorce. And I think they're great together. I do love Harry and Rena together. I think that they love each other, and I think they complement each other really well in, uh, in so many ways. So I lo- and I love my Harry. You guys love. I love when he's making pies. I love when he's gardening. He seems like a great one to have around the house. I'd love him come to my house, set up a garden, make me a pie. Uh, we could talk about some of his roles when he was sexiest man alive. I still find him sexy. I do. Harry. I love my Harry Hamlin. I do. I get it. I get it. Um, so then, what else? Uh, Dorit. Oh, so then Sutton's doing this party, which she tells the party planner she, he was doing too much wedding-ish. Uh, but she has everyone over the house, and Dorit says they were going to do like a night in Paris or a, an afternoon in Paris was the theme of this party. And Dorit's at home before she left. She's like, Parisians would be eating croissants right now. And it's like, she's so ridiculous. <laughs> she's such a ridiculous person. I love her. I love her. Um, but she's totally a ridiculous human. Um, Sutton, when she opens the door too, she's like, bonjour. Like I, it was like the opening of Beauty and the Beast. Bonjour. Bonjour. Like that was what was happening every time Sutton opened the door. Cause we were doing a Parisian theme and I was like, we can cool that. We don't need to, <laughs> that's a wrap on that. We don't need to do that. You know, it was just like every time she opened, bonjour. It was like, okay, we can have a Parisian theme without having to yell fucking bonjour every time you open the door, you know? <laughs> Uh, then, uh, what else? Oh, so then this party, uh, Kyle does a callback. She says, Sutton stole my goddamn house. Cause it used to be her, her house. And I love that. Uh, Kathy shows up right after the gals are all talking about politics. And this has happened a few times on the show. And I think, I wonder, it feels purposeful to me. I don't know why exactly. Maybe it's because, uh, Kathy has a different political leaning than the rest of the cast. But if you've noticed the past few episodes, every time politics comes up, Kathy's either asleep in the other room or she's coming in late. And that, to me, just does feel purposeful. And I don't know. Now I'm starting. Maybe it's a conspiracy theory I'm starting, but I feel like producers just are like keeping her out of it. Or she asked producers, she said, I'm not talking about politics. I don't know. I don't know. But it felt purposeful to me. And maybe I'm just being crazy. Then, of course, we get that scene of Erica in the car alone. And Garcelle does bring up, she says, I, I thought that they would have just uh, stayed together. And what she meant was she thought Erica would just wait until Tommy died. That was what she was implying. And every, no one got it. Like all those women, 
Garcelle was like, I can't believe she didn't just stay with them for a little while longer. And they're all like, why? <laughs> that was funny to me. She's like, oh, do I have to spell it out for you? And because when you do spell out that uh, insinuation, it's not great. You know, the the actual fact of what Garcelle was trying to say is like, she should have just stuck with that guy till he died. You know, but she can't say that outright. So she was just implying it. And no one got it. And so it was like Garcelle was thinking in her head. You could see it on her face. Garcelle's like, do I explain that I was uh, implying that she should stick with this man until he passes? Or uh, should I just hope they get it? And she hoped they got it. Eventually they did. But I was, part of me was a, a sick uh, angel devil on my shoulder. The devil was saying, I wish Garcelle would just sort of spell it out. Because once you spell it out, it's not appropriate. Um, anyway. Uh, she didn't decide to uh, stick with Tommy Two Tones until he passes. <laughs> she did. I don't know why I'm laughing. Because anyway, that's the end of the episode. Erica Jane finally showed up, and she showed. Wasn't she like walking sort of weird? It looked like I don't know. It was like I, I don't know if I'm just noticing now. Like Erica was moving funny, or like almost like she got a crick in the neck, or she was just had some sort of. I don't know. It was like she was walking odd on her head, and it. Remember that uh, one scene where they were on vacation? She was in that really weird outfit and like a bike rider drove in front of her and then she was in latex or something and she had to turn to look at him, but she could barely move her body. I felt like that's how she was walking into this Sutton Kyle house. I was like, did Erica just learn how to walk? It was like a baby giraffe, but like a stiffer one um, learning how to walk for the first time. So I didn't really understand why she was doing that. But that's the episode. We end on to be continued. Again, I just was pissed. I think I was just pissed because I wanted... I wanted them to get to it. And they told us it was all revving up in that commercial. So I was upset that it didn't rev up with Erica Jane, uh, Bamboozled Jane showing up and them talking about this whole situation with Tommy Tutons. Uh, and I would love to see, I hope maybe down the road, we hear Erica Jane's response to this Hulu documentary. You know, I'm curious if Andy will bring it up at the reunion. He has to bring it up at the reunion, right? Do you think Bravo's kicking themselves that they didn't do a documentary? Or do you think they are trying to protect it? I don't know. I don't know. I guess the show is a documentary, really. It's The Real Housewives, so it's meant to be a documentary. But uh, I wonder if Andy's going to ask about, like, hey, did you see that ABC News documentary? He's going to ask that. He has to. I trust in our Andy to do that. So anyway, that's The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Uh, let's pop in New York. Can I help you pin yours? Yeah, I, I want to show my cleavage. I worked hard on this no, cleavage. No, no, no. You have to have your cleavage. No, I like my cleavage. I'm showing my cleavage. My cleavage looks I've got good. To. I'm do what it. if I make it with your cleavage showing? Good. Fine. Do that then. It's the beauty pageant, right? One of my best features besides my legs, which are now covered, are my breasts. So, you know, I want to put my, you know, best breast forward. <laughs> my cleavage. Like, Ramona was only concerned about her boobies in that beauty pageant. And honestly, it was making me laugh so hard. Making me laugh so hard. We finally got answers to Luann's baton twirling. We saw her doing it in this talent show, which was one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen on this show, because the talent show is 1970s Halloween-themed. And the audience was filled with a very strange collection of people. It was Victoria, uh, Luann's daughter, plus the niece, who's been on this show since the beginning, uh, it was them watching with like a, a few random gay men. I mean, it was like, what was going on? I don't understand. I know we're in COVID times, but it was just a very strange, with a party that small, it seems so weird to me to have like an actual pageant thing where uh, the people were supposed to be voting on who was like New York 1970, which half of this cast wasn't even born in 1970 and the other half were. It was like, 
So it was very strange to me, but I love that Ramona just wanted to show off the boobies. We ended last week's episode in that van fight, though. And Heather and Leah just got in that fight. Leah threw the flowers at Heather. And those two are just not going to get along. And I think this is Heather's probably last appearance on the show. I don't think she's going to be around much. Uh, but Luann does say to Heather that she's in the wrong place at the wrong time because it's just, Leah's just going through a lot with the ma- or with the grandma. And I felt so bad for Leah when, when we found out that the grandma passed and she didn't make it back in time. You guys, my heart broke. I was just thinking about my own grandmother. It made me so sad. Uh, but obviously Leah was going through it in this whole last few episodes. We're finally leaving the Hamptons though, you guys. I was thrilled about that. We were in the Hamptons for seven fucking episodes. We were there forever. And I was, ha- you know, I like maybe a few episodes, but it was, it was getting a little bit absurd. A little bit absurd. And then, uh, let's see. So this a 1970 pageant, they were all doing their, uh, talents and the talents were all very strange. So Luann did the baton twirling. And while she was doing it, do you guys notice she was mouthing something? And I have a theory that Luann was actually mouthing the words to one of her songs. So I think she played, like, she must have played one of her songs while she was baton twirling. And I think she was lip syncing to, I don't know, feeling Giovanni or ladies and gentlemen, this is the countess speaking. Like, I think she was, you know, that song, <laughs> that iconic song. I think she was mouthing to one of those. And, it turns out Bravo people edited it out. So we saw her mouthing along to something that I believe to be her song. And yet Bravo edited out the music. And I thought that was maybe a little shady. I hope that's my theory in my head. And maybe it's completely off base. Uh, but I'm sticking to that. I really believe it. And then Ramona's talent was just showing off her arms, which are really good. I'll give her that. I mean, I, guess, I suppose that's the talent, her biceps. But she was really just doing like shoulder presses at one point. And the guy who was like narrating this whole event was like, uh, kept saying, she's really wowing the crowd. And I thought, really? Then she did 40 push-ups, which I have to say, those shups weren't actually push-ups. They were just like a half. It was like, she wasn't really, she didn't hit the ground. Now I'm still very impressed. 40 is a lot and she did a good job. So that's no shade to her. I just would like to point out that. I don't know why I feel the need to point it out, but I just have to point out that those weren't actual push-ups. She was bending the elbow maybe a half an inch, but she did over 40, so I'm sure it was a lot. I mean, I'm not saying I could do that. I'm just saying. Uh, you know, it was, that was her talent. And then Heather did a cheer, I guess, and then Ebony did a spoken word, and Sonia did miming. It was all very odd. And I sort of thought, while we're here, wouldn't this be a great opportunity for Sonia to re- reinvigorate her cabralesque? If there was ever an opportunity for Sonia's cabralesque, it was now. And instead, she's miming. And I honestly don't think Sonia should ever not speak. You know, I think Sonia's at her best when she's speaking, um, usually. And the fact that they, she was just miming, I was upset about it. But anyway, uh, Ebony came in third, Lou came in second, and then Leah won. And I love that Lou rigged it. Um she just said she rigged it. And Leah was like, no, I won it on my own accord. And then Lou said in her confessional, like, no, I did that. But I wonder if it was like a real struggle in her head. Because you know Lou wanted herself to win. You know what I mean? And so I do think that Luann probably went back and forth for a really long time. Just thinking, do I let Leah win? She's going through all this. Her grandmother's passing. Uh, and she could use a win. But you know Luann wanted to win. And then I wonder how she figured out that Ebony was in third. I wonder if she went back and forth with that. Should Ebony be in second? You know, she's new, a woman in this group. She did a great spoken word. Maybe she should be in second. But Lou was like, no, I'm going to be in second. 
Lou was in second, right? I don't know if I got that wrong. You know, sometimes I always say this. Sometimes I get the facts wrong. Taking notes, sometimes I get distracted, might miss something. I know you guys get mad when I screw something up on the podcast, though. Ooh, I know. When I listen to podcasts, I get mad when the host screws up a fact. But it happens. You know what happens. So whenever I do it, too, you guys get the DMs. Uh, I get the DMs just all day long. Get the DMs like, you you messed that up, Danny. <laughs> Exhausting. Anyway, um, so I apologize if I ever screw something up. Uh, then we cut to the next morning. Leah left. Uh, again, she missed her grandma. And Ramona got the text, and she was trying to send a voice text. So was it making me laugh. And they also tried to cry. Lu- Luann and Ramona, I felt like they tried to squeak out a tear. They couldn't do it, ultimately. Uh, but they did seemingly feel bad. And... Uh, then, oh, we're introduced to the storyline that has Melissa Gorka shook. So apparently, Ebony might have a long-lost sister. And she reveals to the gal, she says, you know, someone reached out to me on social media. I might have another sister. Uh, and it was in that moment that I really missed our Dorinda. I did miss our Dorinda. You guys, I think we need her back. I'm sorry to say, but I think we need our Dorinda back. And I'm hopeful that we'll get her back. But what are we doing here without her? We're doing sto- sister storylines. Now, Ebony's, I will, I will say that Ebony's sister storyline, I'm very, I'm more excited about it than Melissa Gorga's fake storyline from the Real Houses in New Jersey about the sister, because that was all made up bullshit. <laughs> Ebony's at least does feel real. And so I hopefully we get some closure and we get some stuff going on. Uh, so I, I'm more excited about it, but I do miss Dorinda. I, and I was so happy to get back to New York City, back to the city. Uh, because I was tired of the Hamptons house. No, they had to do it. But uh, when we got back to the city, we saw a scene with Leah and her sister crying about the grandma, and that was sad. That was hard for me to watch. It was just the, again, my grandma, and it just made me sad. Uh, we cut to Sonia at the townhouse. She uh, reveals that she recycles envelopes. Recycle queen Sonia Tremont Morgan recycles envelopes, and I thought that was a good tip. Good tip. Meanwhile, Ramona, she's got a new interstitial, you know, in between the scenes when we see those women and it just says like Ramona and then we see her kind of like smiling and twirling. It looked like a new one with Ramona with the, uh, the bubbies were out and it was a new interstitial. I think unless I just hadn't seen it before, but I liked it. And so then she sits down to meet with this real estate guy who was on one of those real estate shows. Now, forgive me, the real estate Bravo shows are sort of, uh, some of the only programming in Bravo I don't watch. I know a lot of you like them. But I'm just not aware. It's just those shows, I miss them. I don't watch them. Um, so I'm not aware. I think this man was on one of them. I'm loosely aware of like Frederick and Ryan. Like I, I know who I, I could pick him out of a lineup if I need to. And Steve Gold, if he's not wearing a blouse, I can pick him out. Uh, but I don't know a lot of these real estate people. So this guy was a man named Michael. And Ramona did a callback to her season one tagline where she says, money is an aphrodisiac to me. But apparently she's becoming a real estate agent. And this man is trying to tell her about how like some terms have changed. So he says, you know, you don't say master bedroom and you don't say his or and her bathrooms. And Ramona's just like, wow, wow, wow. <laughs> Ramona's always doing a lot of wow work in this show. Wow, really? Wow, wow. Like she's so shocked that we're not using these terms anymore. But I do want to give Ramona, now I know some of you might disagree with me, but I, I do feel like Ramona is trying and putting an effort. Now, it's very slow, and it seems very challenging to her to learn these things and to evolve in these ways. But I do, and I might regret this next week, by the way. Next week, I'll take this all back. You know, we feel differently every five minutes. 
So I'm not committing to this for the rest of the season. And I want to know, I want you all to know that I'm not committing to this idea, but I do think that Ramona is trying uh, to change. And so I just think that we don't need to applaud that because it's just an evolution of a human. But I do think that it's okay to note that because, and the other thing is too, you know, I always say these shows, they're trying, they make you love someone one minute, hate on the next minute. And I do think Ramona's getting a better edit this season. I like dick. <laughs> um, she's again, she's still a monster. You guys, she in, in a lot of ways and mostly every way. Uh, then we have a scene with Martin and Sonia. Sonia's, they're trying to teach Sonia to be stronger and all that stuff. And, you know, it's whatever. I don't know. The Martin stuff. I like Martin enough. But do I need more of Martin? I don't know. Are we tired of Martin? I don't want to be like a Danny Downer here, but I'm sort of tired of the Martin stuff. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. It's just how I feel. Maybe some of you like the Martin stuff and maybe I'm wrong. Uh, but I feel like it's a lot. It's a lot. So then Ebony's doing an election party. Lou arrives as John F. Kennedy, and she brought all those hats, all those costumes. Uh, Ramona fled New York City. She, oh, and Leah brought her dog. Ramona wasn't there, but the dog was there, and the dog was hopping all over the place on that table. I was getting anxiety about the dog on the table. I forget the election anxiety. I was anxiety uh, about Leah's dog bebopping all over that room on the coffee table with the food out. I was getting stressed about it. If that would have been my house, I would have been so stressed, you guys. I don't want anyone. I love a dog. I love a dog. I love seeing a dog. Uh, but if I'm throwing a dinner party or something, or election party, or whatever the party is, I don't know that I really want you to bring your dog, unless it's a service dog or something. And unless it's trained, right? Because a dog just hopping up all over the tables would stress me out. Stress me out. And speaking of stressed out, Sonia... Sonia, who's got a new confessional with the high pony. Um, she was drinking too much. And I don't know, are we to believe that Sonia's back on the water pills? I mean, I know that that was what they told us. That was what Bravo lied to us a couple seasons ago and said the reason Sonia was acting drunk in that way was because of those water pills, which we all know is a lie, right? Like, we can all admit that now. That was just a bullshit. <laughs> a complete and utter bullshit that they fed to us was like, oh, yeah, Sonia's on water pills, and that's why she gets so drunk. So what, is she back on the water pills? Is that what they're going to tell us in two episodes? Um, which is, again, a blatant lie. Uh, but there's some reason, there's got to be some reason Sonia's acting like this, because we love Sonia. And Sonia had so many good points. I think Sonia was saying, uh, in terms of Ramona posting a picture with Ebony, and uh, she was saying, Sonia, what did Sonia say? She said, it's performative... Uh, that Ramona's posting these images. Now, I will say that Ramona did post an image with Leah when Leah joined the show. So I think we have to at least point out that Ramona did post a picture with Leah. Some accounts, two judgy girls on Instagram pulled that up, that receipt. So it did happen. But I do think Sonia was making some points. But when she shouts like that and she drinks too much, it's like it's we're all pretending that her tolerance is just really low. And I don't think we should be pretending that. I mean, Sonia yelled a million times, she's a master manipulator. And then she was saying at one point, they go out and have sex with guys and then marry them. And all the women around her are just yawning. They're like (laughs) exhausted by it. Uh, But I feel bad for Sonia because we love our Sonia Rita more than anyone on maybe any of these franchises. We love Sonia. We all care for her and we want the best for her. So seeing her get to these points, it's tough. And I don't know what we're all telling ourselves because this is not normal behavior. And at a certain point, we all have to look and say, okay, this is not healthy behavior. And 
Are we enabling it? Uh, any of us? I don't know. I'm not saying we are. I'm just saying it's something that maybe we should all take stock of because we love our Sony. We want the best for her. And we, if we do care for her, even as a television personality on the show, I still think uh, we need to be aware of that. I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now Cozy is fantastic. A North American company that thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products, plus fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now Cozy offers a beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving, credenzas, TV stands, and accessories. So much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made for modern living. There's an outdoor sofa and tables collection that is fantastic. It's called the Mistral. So you can choose the perfect sofa configuration for your outdoor setup. Uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level and allow customers to engage physically with the products. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, spelled C-O-Z-E-Y, to start customizing your furniture today. Again, that's Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Uh, that's the episode next week. We get Lou and Victoria. We get a Harlem party. We get Ramona talking about Vertigo. And then Ramona and Ebony sit down, too. And uh, we're excited to see. I, I, I can't wait to see. We'll have to watch what happens live. Um, you guys, thank you so much for listening. Please find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino on Twitter and Instagram. Also, if you haven't listened to the other episodes this week, I did a fantastic uh, interview with Garcelle from The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and an interview with Michelle from Destiny's Child that just aired this week. And you guys, the Michelle, both interviews I think are fantastic. So I hope you'll check them out. Uh, the Michelle Williams interview, we talked a lot about mental health. She's got a book called Checking In. Uh, and it's, I, I thought it was a really fascinating interview. And I love when I get a chance to talk about mental health. And Michelle is so open about her experiences in Destiny's Child and uh, her experiences with depression. And so I really hope you'll listen because I, I thought it was a great chat. And then uh, Garcelle and I talked about some of her iconic roles and acting and some Beverly Hills stuff. So I think they're both really great. And I hope you guys enjoy and listen and all of those uh, good things. If you want Everything Iconic merch, go to everythingiconic.store. We have wine glasses, t-shirts up to 5XLs. Uh, you can get a signed cocktail book if you want a fancy AF cocktail book signed uh, by me. Uh, and you can get that at everythingiconic.store. So with all that said, let's do our cheesy little cool down and uh, let's take a deep breath in. Hold it. Breathe out. Let's take another deep breath in. Hold it. Think of something you're grateful for. Breathe out. 
guys. I hope you all have a wonderful week. We'll be back next week. Uh, stay safe. Love you. Bye-bye.